Hi, everyone. Today, I'm meeting with Gwen Yu. Gwen is an expert in sustainable finance. And actually, what I love about Gwen is recently I did a podcast, an intervention around transfer pricing, which is a topic that actually Gwen can also talk to us about. Gwen worked with renowned company, including Sherpa and BNP Paribas. And today, Gwen is going to talk to us about sustainable finance. I'm sure I forgot to talk about some of the great experiences Gwen has, but she will tell us all about it. So welcome to, you know, for being on our uh, podcast and um, discussion forum, Gwen. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sabina. It's a pleasure to be here. And that's really random that you did a video on transfer pricing. Because every time you used to, I used to go to a party and people would ask you, what is it that you do? And I'm like, transfer pricing. And people would walk away and get a drink. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, when you work with that young venture, startups, scale-ups, grown-ups, one thing which happened, you know, whether a company have raised 20 million, 5 million, or 100 million, they will go into another country. And understanding why transfer pricing is important when you want to scale, I think it's major. And that is how I came about transfer pricing, you know, talked to some of my friends and said, you know, this is actually something, you know, you need to talk to your startups about. And that's the way we got to talk about fascinating subject, actually, for sure, very technical, but fascinating. No, it really is. And it's um, I think it gets a bad rap as well, because one of the most important part is really trying to figure out the actual market price that you should be paying for the services, as opposed to, you know, the negative connotation of transfer pricing where people think you're just doing tax evasion. Yes. And, you know, the reason as well, another reason why I wanted to talk about transfer pricing is when you actually start also developing businesses and developing businesses which are interlocked with one another, understanding how you rate your peers' price within the organization is super important so that no one is losing and actually it's fair for everybody in the group. Definitely. And, you know, that boils it back down to, I think one of the things you mentioned was the variety in everything that I've done in terms of career-wise. And so I think it's only really looking back now where I see all the different bits and pieces fit. Because if you take kind of sustainability as a broader scope, you're really looking at, you know, ESG in general, right? And transfer pricing is um, super relevant when it comes to trying to figure out governance and how everything fits in the puzzle and the holistic picture of everything from understanding your supply chain to trying to figure out where that demand actually goes. And you add another hat to it and say, well, how is this actually making a positive impact? How is this sustainable? And I think, you know, I, I believe in this whole, the universe comes full circle somehow. And then I'm not at the end of my circle, but I can see how kind of all these interconnections happen, which is quite amazing. So tell us, Gwen, who are you? What do you do every day? What got you where you are today? That's always a hard question to answer, I think, without having to go through your entire bio, right? Or like a job interview, which is totally like not what this is. So I think it's more of if I were to define 
who I am is that early on in my career, I had a manager come to me and say, look, you are going, the younger you are, the more options you will have. And it's going to be really hard to make a decision to say, I'm going to shut that door. But you shouldn't look at it that way. You should just look at it as saying, well, that's the path that you're going to go down and go down now. And then eventually maybe you'll circle back around. And then he says, but the only thing that you got to remember is you got to define early on what's important for you as a person. And he says, it doesn't matter what that is, just you need to know what it is. And then you need to figure out along the way that you want to be able to still look at yourself at the end of the mirror and recognize that person that you are. So I think that was super helpful and important advice. And I think that's what's fueled me through is that I've gone in and I said, okay, well, these are my belief systems. This is what I would like to be. I would like to have a positive impact in whatever it is that I'm doing. And I want to leave wherever I've touched something better, something a little bit more improved than if I hadn't been there at all. And it's great that we are starting this conversation with belief system, value systems, you know, purpose, because I guess the world we are living in is moving to a much more, I think, value and purpose-driven world. Definitely. And I, you see that all the way from, so my experience has been in banking for the last 11 years and for the last four years or so, I've been specifically focused within sustainable finance. And if I take um, a bank in terms of our client base and who we, we serve, it's really the community. And the community is comprised of the small players. So people like you and me, our savings account, our checking, whatever else we need to pay for, um, to small and medium-sized corporates. So, so the startups, the, the mom and pop show, uh, stores, the higher, the, the corporations that are a little bigger, to the large corporations, to the actual investor in the institutional investors themselves. And then it goes around again because as an institutional investor, you're actually coming up with products for like pension funds or investment products that people, again, from the retail space, so you and I will invest in. So definitely important in terms of demand base, important in terms of footprint and trying to figure out how you serve those various communities. So going back to kind of your initial point of purpose is that what we see more and more now is all throughout that different level of um, value chain and client base is purpose and impact has become very important, much more than just what people want to say or the marketing bit of it, but people actually drilling down to see, well, how is, how is what you're telling me true? How is what you're telling me? How are you doing what you say you're going to do? So if I look at it as an individual investor, I can look at what's in my retirement account or what I put my money into either uh, for you know stocks or whatever else. And am I investing in companies that I feel are in line with my values? For corporates, they're seeing this because they have an impact in the community that they are in. They know that they're 
eventual customers and clients want them to be doing good and definitely want them to not be doing something negative. And it's the same thing for institutional investors because people are listening and this is what we need right now in order to make the world better. Key. Because, I mean, you know, the world is interconnected, right? There's no doubt. Definitely. One organization which is delivering value for a specific customer group will be connected to a number of sets of organizations to make sure that customer is safe, is resilient. I mean, we can find so many different words, um, which is so important today. And I think it's partly why I'm fascinated by digital ecosystems, actually, because I do believe this is um, a theory of growth for tomorrow. But I wanted to ask you, what is your definition of sustainable finance, Gwen? I think sustainable finance eventually just needs to be finance without caveating it as sustainable. It's finance. It's how are we moving money? How are we getting capital into the right projects? How are we getting capital to those that need it most? And so for the moment in traditional finance, you have your PL, balance sheet assessments, and you try to figure out, okay, well, if I put my money in here, what's my return on investment? What's my return on capital? And you have all these metrics kind of trying to figure out, is it a good investment that you're doing? Is this where you want to put your money? So sustainable finance is just adding what's necessary in terms of, is your money actually doing good? Is it making a negative impact? Is it making a positive impact? Is it going to serve the community or the causes that you want it to serve? And it's important to serve specific causes. But you see, when you look at who I'm working with today, a lot of financial institutions and insurance organizations, you know, they have to make choices as to where they actually make their bets. And a lot of insurance companies have decided, for instance, to not insure any coal mining projects. So while sustainable finance is finance in general, you also have to make choices as to where you make your bets. And um, how do you see financial institutions making better bets on better projects in the future? Well, we, we see this in the metrics that financial institutions are adding into their decision-making process. So if I take a, a loan, to get a loan from a bank, you would go through what we call a credit committee. And traditionally, you would check out to say, okay, well, is this person risky? Have they defaulted before? Where's their thing placed? Do they have a sound business plan, et cetera, et cetera. Now, to incorporate sustainability and what financial institutions are doing now is they are now looking at the sustainability rankings in terms of ESG of whoever it is they're loaning to. Typically now, it's mostly big corporates that this is happening at because that's where the data is available. So things like, do they have um, proper supply chain governance? Are they doing uh, something harmful or are are they doing something positive towards the biodiversity imprint that they may have? Or how are they doing the funding? Has there been an environmental impact study that was done within this process? So initially, this was already done in some project finance things, but this is now becoming more standard and will be rolled out so that when you go into credit committee because you're trying to get a loan, 
how sustainable you are will actually play a role in the type of interest rate that you get, either higher or lower. Because if you're not sustainable, then in fact you're a riskier client, right? Because you might be in a you might be in a flood zone. So absolutely, if there's a flood because of climate change, based on what you're where you're located, then you know, or if you're sucking out all the water supply based on where you've built your factory and you're not doing any sort of adaptation to try to fix that, then your business is not sustainable. So you become a riskier business. Therefore, your loan is going to cost you more. Gwen, I need to ask for your help. Can you define ESG for us today? Sure. So ESG has traditionally been environmental, social, and governance. And it's looking at this three-part of how you would gauge your ESG within whatever project it is. So how are you impacting environment? How are you impacting social? How good is your governance? And obviously, governance will depend on where you sit regionally, because what good governance looks like here in Europe may not be what good governance looks like in the US or in Japan, for example. And when you start talking about governance, as I think as well, what I see is, you know, everyone needs to become sustainable and responsible. And um, following COP26, I think what we are going to see is a little bit more responsibility in action. However, not every market are at the same degree and level. And we need to recognize that still we are reliant on fossil fuel. 80% of what we do everywhere, every day is reliance on fossil fuel. And so it will take some time. So what would be your views when we look at ESG metrics and the job we need, which need to get done in addition to the different layer of complexity which need to address around markets and countries? How do we put all of these together. So what's going on right now is there's really an intersection within the different stakeholders from regulators to the business community to the general population at large. And one example that I can talk through in terms of how this is all kind of coalescing, although we're not there yet, obviously, is the, the European Union's taxonomy and kind of within their sustainable finance plan. Because what the EU has done is they have defined what is green. So for now, it's only green. They're going to move to social and other things. So what is green in um, 70 plus different types of business activities? And by being able to do that, you're actually opening up the transparency. You have a, you have a target that will be a moving target because or it's going to go down. That will be a moving target because every few years or so, they will reassess and say, if it was 100 parts per million today, maybe tomorrow it should be 50 in order for us to get to 1.5 degrees. And by having that target, you can actually, then people will have to disclose. And then once they disclose, then you will be able to compare apples to apples. So this is happening at the EU. However, there are equivalencies happening in all the different uh, countries and regions out there. And the different um, regulators and standards boards are talking to each other so that if you are a global corporation or you're, you have an international footprint, you'll be able to decipher what that means in Europe, what that means in the Americas, what that means in Asia, etc. So I think it's 
it's a work in progress, but a lot of inroads has been done. The foundation has been set. And as the different stakeholders coalesce, it's just going to become more prevalent. So another area of interest to me is where do you see the biggest opportunity for business when you look at sustainable financing and um, how we build the business of the future? When I talk to my stakeholder, I often say, you know, you need to look at it operationally, right? The basics, you know, reducing your, you know, travel cost, for instance, air miles, great. But actually, at the end of the day, could we take less planes? Um, then I said, okay, it's about emerging risk and how we design the product and services of the future. So servicing the client better, you know, okay, we see a lot of carbon footprint offsetting platforms coming to market. And then the last pillar for me is around value chain and how you integrate your customer and your vendors and anybody in your ecosystem to understand your values so that no one is driving it, I mean, damaging any other party, I mean, any other parties, um, I would say, uh, repetitional risk, any causing any repetitional risk. What is your view on this? If I were to, so I'm going to take this another way. If I were to design a sustainability strategy for my company, how would I start? I would say, first, I would try to figure out what am I trying to accomplish and what is it that I believe in? How does that merge together? And then from there, I think it ties very neatly into the three points that you brought forth. Because first, you, you, you mentioned looking internally. So looking internally is, am I walking the talk in terms of my own processes and the systems and operations? Second is, am I walking the talk for my clients and my customers? Am I servicing, servicing them in the needs that they have in the right way in line with what it is that I believed in and the fact that there is a positive impact in the whole process. And then lastly is the bigger circle for the community at large, not my direct customers, but maybe my indirect ones or the ones that are impacted because they're my supplier. So I'm buying from them. So there's an economic impact or they are the community that my office is located in. So there is a footprint within that process. So how am I bringing something positive towards them? Yeah, absolutely interesting lens around how we combine everyone's <clears throat> value you mentioned earlier, behavior and value metrics and value drivers to actually improve what we are doing every single day? I think the most important though is that that's it's great and you touched upon this as well is that we got to go beyond talk now so yep. it's really how, how are you walking the talk correct what, what are you doing that shows me exactly who you are what you want to be as a company and how is this contributing to something positive overall what Not have you seen that makes sense Yes. And so what have you seen? What are the great initiatives you've seen out there that, that demonstrate that things are happening? Because as you know, we, we see stuff 
but we probably don't see enough. And therefore, there's a lot of skepticism as to whether anything is happening on the field of sustainable finance and sustainability in general. I think there's a lot happening, but it's probably not fast enough for the level of demand and need that's out there. I mean, if you look at, I think the IPCC said something like, there's an annual investment of $2. trillion that's needed just for energy systems alone. If you add nature to that, it pretty much triples the investment systems. But then if you look at what is actually being funded today, we're not at the $2.4 trillion at all. So it's kind of trying to figure out, well, how do we get there faster? Mm-hmm. And is the funding that's going on now, is that benefiting the right stakeholders? So if I'm coming, and the reason I say that is because if I'm coming from a, if I, I, used, to, I used to work for a big bank. So when I was working for a big bank, if you worked for you know, the investment banking arm of things, then typically the deal sizes that you have are like 100 million and plus. But most of the money that's needed out there are probably for the smaller players or for smaller projects or for projects where um, the bigger banks are not physically located because they're in emerging countries. So you actually need people on the ground to understand what's going on locally in order to do the assessment, right? Or if you take just SMEs themselves, I mean, I think... There's, uh, I think SMEs represent something like 80 to 90% of the businesses that are out there and they contribute to half the jobs. Right. Yes. But then it's a volumes game when you come to the SME market. So if it's a volumes game, sometimes there's a lost in translation in terms of actual impact, actual money going in, or sometimes the data is just not there. Yeah. So if I want to do like, um, if I want to do like a green mortgage, so you have energy efficient rankings uh, here in France. You have, you know, like the A, B, C, D, E, whatever it is um, in different countries, just in Europe alone. In Belgium, they have three different kinds. Mm-hmm. So if I'm playing in the EU market and I'm trying to give an energy efficient mortgage to my individual client, I'm going to need to understand what does A mean in the three things in Belgium versus in France and how is that equivalent to each other? Correct. So I think yeah. so, those are some of the challenges people are working through. There's a lot of um, pretty cool technology and uh, startups that are doing some great work out there. There is uh, there's one startup that's kind of looking at assessing your carbon footprint on your investments, and it'll tell you how green that particular stock or that particular fund is. You have startups that are combining satellite imagery to try to figure out if you are funding a supply chain, for example, how much is being deforested or are the people actually doing no deforestation? That's like a double negative, but you know what I mean? In terms of, in terms of um, what they say they're going to do based on what the contract was for the projects. There are people looking at the different biodiversity metrics that are out there to see, well, what is the double materiality of, um, of all this? 
and just some really cool things that are happening right now and then it's also just a marriage of all the cool things that are happening right now are they getting the funding are they cutting through the noise there's there's room for innovation because that's what we need now and that's how we're going to get there anyway but it's uh it's uh it's a crowded and complex field yeah no i have no doubt so much more to be done and you already highlighted that there is great innovation coming into the market startups get ups focusing on environmental uh environmental challenge emission challenge and looking at other ways to solving the problem by leveraging technology how important do you think technology is going to be to drive sustainable finance change in the world oh i think it's going to be critical i think it's going to be critical just like from the decision making process from the inputs that are that are need to, that are going to need to go in in terms of data from the analysis that will need to be pushed out from the um, from the quality control that will need to happen if you want to make sure that it's actually being that it's actually sustainable I don't think the big guys are going to be able to do it alone. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like digital, right? I mean, if uh, they become big eventually, but the the innovation really started out with all the different groups and little pockets of community out there that had a great idea that pushed this through and said, this is what I'm going to do. This is how my technology is going to change the world. And this is what you see now in terms of tech for good. It's yeah. just that we need to ensure that the tech for good is also doing good and serving you know the, uh, a diversified community and not just a one-dimensional one yeah and one thing which came to mind is the work we are doing now is about creating more awareness and demystifying what corporate venturing is and on one side of the coin is you know corporates scouting and sourcing for ventures and partners to help them with their challenges so sustainable financing could be around investing, um, lending, but now I'm really interested in looking at insurance because it's so new uh, as an area as to how do we identify the emerging risk coming, for example, from technology and you start up coming to solve for uh, sustainable challenges into the world. Um, and then the, the, other, the other lens is building ventures. So building the businesses and the I would say unicorns, but really the disruptors of tomorrow. So when you look at your world, Gwen, where do you think um, the weight is around building versus finding new opportunities? And how can we accelerate the momentum to get more done faster? I think that's the million dollar question is how do you accelerate? Everybody's asking that. <laughs> there's, there's no red pill, blue pill. I don't know. <laughs> Give us your red pill or blue pill. Yeah. No, I think that um, it's probably, it's going to be half, half. There's a lot of things out there that we don't even know it exists yet. I mean, the areas that I know need the most help is we need a lot of work in ag, in the blue economy, There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen there. Um, if you look at climate change mitigation and adaptation, where the money is going, most of the money is going into mitigation. Mitigation. At the, at the rate at where we're going today, we're actually going to need money towards adaptation <laughs> rather than mitigation because it'll be too late. <laughs> 
and then I think it's just um, how do we get there faster? It it comes down to individual awareness and us doing something as trite as that sounds. Because if I go back to what I know, which is finance, and people like you and me, we have accounts. Some, most people will have an account. Some people will have an account. Let me back, backtrack because that, that's uh, it's a very Western, you know, North, nor, Northern Hemisphere-centric answer that I'm giving. But within that Northern Hemisphere-centric answer that I'm giving, you need to be aware of where your money's going. What kind of products are you buying? What kind of investments are you putting your money in? How, if you are, if you are buying a house, are you making your house energy efficient? Maybe you can't afford to make it energy efficient because uh, the costs maybe doesn't play within the market that you're in. All of the costs for renewables going down, but you never know. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive. But have you done the calculations in the long run? Have you done as much as you can based on the resources that's available to you? And I think it it boils down to that, really. Yes, absolutely. How can we create a better world? What would be your last few words, Gwen, as to how we can maybe create a better world? And what are what is your recipe to doing so? Understand what you're doing. Know where you would like to get to and get to it already. We need to do it now, right? It's do not- it now. Yeah, do it now. So, okay. but figure out where you're going first, you know, where you run around in a circle. <laughs> well, it's the point around strategy. You may, you know, define your purpose, vision, where you are going, you know, set up your goals and then just go out and get it done that's some of the wise words you gave us today thank you Gwen for your time thanks for having me and thank you for accepting the call from France yeah the time difference isn't so bad no it's not on the other side so it's okay (laughs) absolutely so thank you so much for your time today thanks Sabine If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.